put me in the ugliest thing you could find. He's so attractive. <laughs> it might be somewhere in the Gutenberg Bible. This is happening, people. Get out of here. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that's messy and painful, but relatively quick. I'm Kelly Anakin. <laughs> I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. I suppose I need to take more than a few summer things. Well, probably. It's a year-round affair being married. That's true. Yes. Yeah. We do it all the time. Yep. I mean, it's winter right now. It is winter right now. Technically. Yeah, we live in California, so <laughs> yeah. we don't know what day it is. <laughs> Welcome back, cousins. To uh, we're winding down the Empire exhibition. We are actually we're getting yeah. toward the end here, which is uh, exciting, I suppose. Bittersweet. Yes. Uh, we'll be covering the Painted Veil, 2006 movie starring Edward Norton and Naomi Watts. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert, uh, not our favorite. It's yeah, it's not great. Uh, not our favorite, no. but uh, maybe you like it. I don't know. <laughs> but before we get to that, uh, we have our cousin of the week. Cousin Flynn writes, hi, Kelly and Tom. First off, love you guys. I can't remember if I've emailed you before. I have emailed Ivan and Red, whose podcast I found through YouTube. And now for my exciting news from this Monday night. A friend invited me to a New York screening of The Imitation Game, and at the end, some special guests came on stage, namely Benedict Cumberbatch, Kira Knightley, Branson, Matthew Good, <laughs> and Tywin Lannister, Charles Dance. During the movie, my friend turned to me when Branson came on screen and said, hmm, he looks pudgy, but I can assure you in person he looks quite spiffy in a great suit with some well-styled hair. During the Q&A, he made some kind of joke about Downton Abbey being a turd rolled in glitter and then said, oops, that's my death scene written now. And Cumberbatch added, another car crash. Apparently Cumberbatch is not a Downton fan, and perhaps (laughs) Alan Leach is sick of it too. Anyway, keep up the great work. I love the podcast and have such an audio crush on Tom. Kelly, if you're ever thinking of lining up a wife for him like that Golden Girls episode with Sophia and the man whose wife is dying, I am there for you. (laughs) But you guys are cute, so I hope you end up as old and happy as Dorothy and Leslie Nielsen in that other Golden Girls episode. (laughs) Best, Flynn. Well, thank you so much for writing in, Flynn. I will keep this in mind. Uh, I don't make good choices about my health, so who knows what the future may bring. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's exciting news. I kind of feel like everybody in England kind of hates Downton Abbey at this point. Yeah. Um, I been, base that partly on the fact that we've been, uh, reading recaps in The Guardian of Peaky Blinders. Which was recommended to us by many of you cousins. Yes. And we are obsessed. Yeah, we're very grateful we for the recommendation. Give that absolutely all the thumbs up. Yes. I don't know if we'll be covering it at any point. Right. Uh, but we recommend it to everybody. It's on Netflix right now, both seasons. Yeah, do it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, they have on at least two separate occasions found space in their recap of Peaky Blinders to make fun of Downton. So. Although I would also say, if you recall, the reasons that, uh, Matthew Crawley, Dan Stevens left mm-hmm. Downton Abbey was because he wanted to like go, you know, to Hollywood like his friend Benedict Cumberbatch. Right. And I'm like, is Benedict Cumberbatch just kind of stealthily torpedoing all of the careers of men he views as competition. <laughs> he may be. He may be. That makes me like him more. He may be. Maybe asking around. Listen, what are the movies where there's too much momentum to get them made, but everybody knows they're going to suck? Yeah. <laughs> I I've got some recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Anyway, Alan Leach, get your shit together. Right. Because like you're not even a Dan Stevens. No. Like. Dan Stevens is more handsomer than you. This is true. And as we've said before, we feel like that has actually impeded his career if he wanted to go the Cumberbatch route. Right, Because right. Cumberbatch 
plays these, you know, weirdos who look like candles. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> I, you know, Dan Stevens has this new movie coming out. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, but, sure. Uh, Alan Leach, literally the only other things we've ever seen you in are that movie where Maggie Smith sees ghosts <laughs> and Rome. Right. So... We loved him in Rome. We did love him in Rome, but that was like... 15 years ago it was a while back that was a while yeah uh so anyway uh alan leach maybe cool it (laughs) maybe cool it what are you gonna do after this right i mean honestly really let's really think about that let's do that at any rate thank you again flynn yes for being cousin of the week if you would like to throw your hat in the ring or just say hi you can send us a telegram we are up yours downstairs at gmail.com you can send us a carrier pigeon, aka a tweet. We're at five Maggie Smiths. That's at five, the number five Maggie Smiths. And, uh, you can also find us on Facebook by searching up yours downstairs exclamation point. You sure can. So without further ado. <laughs> right. First of all, no veils in this movie. Right. Painted or otherwise. Right. A complete lack of yeah, veils. No veil. We expected there to be one prominently featured. Yeah, that was like a symbol or something. Right. But I guess it's just a metaphor for cholera. cholera. Yeah. Right. Just ridiculous. Yeah. So this is a Warner indie movie. <laughs> yes. Which is hilarious because some, you know, upstart young senior vice president was like what if we had an indie imprint and they like redid the warner logo to have like an eye in it yeah and then i was like hmm, we literally never heard of this again <laughs> right because this movie only got made in conjunction with like 17 other production companies <laughs> well yeah we don't know if this is a bad film because too many cooks in the kitchen or because the underlying story is so fundamentally dull right but uh it's boring it is boring so Get ready to be bored. Yeah. And for us to rip this movie apart. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's all very well to be a Somerset mob novel, but to be an actual movie, you need something interesting to happen. And nothing interesting happens in this movie. Right. All I right. Feel, no, I feel like there was like three there were, five minute segments. There that were, were a handful of scenes that held our interest. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, uh, China 1925, there's boats and flowers and people walking around and whatnot. And we see Ed and Naomi uh, sitting in some field looking at some peasants. Gentrification, 1925. <laughs> right. And Naomi gazes into space and remembers London two years ago, where Ed Norton was wandering around some fancy party and sees Naomi and asks her to dance. So back at uh, Naomi's place, her character's name is Kitty, mm-hmm. for the record. Uh, she's playing a piano. Her sister asks about Ed Norton. Uh, and I guess her dad invited him to the party, and the whole family was like, listen, you gotta marry this dude. And she's like, what? Come on, what? No. No. <laughs> him? Uh, yeah. So, uh, so they get married. <laughs> <laughs> no, he like shows up with oh, like yeah, some yeah. candy. He, yeah. And then they go on a walk and talk about how flowers are stupid or something. And. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then he proposes. That's the extent of their courtship. Yeah, and we're like, Ugh. and we're set up to really like this kitty, cause she's like, oh, you know, the idea that, a woman, you know, should get married for reasons other than love is so prehistoric and blah, blah, blah. Right. And we're like, okay, good. You. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, she turns out to be pretty boring yeah. in the long run. She does. Uh, she certainly doesn't turn Ed Norton down as she perhaps should have. Well, she gets home. He talks about how clumsy he is, blah, blah, blah. And she gets home and like her mother is discussing the wedding on the phone, which I guess. No, she was talking about her sister's wedding. Oh, why is that? And okay. saying that she'd given up on Kitty ever finding anybody. Okay. So that's what it was. Yeah. Anyway, so she gets pressured into taking it. 
uh, and it cuts into them having a happy rickshaw ride in a Chinese town. Uh, and Ed shows them into their new home. That night, he comes into her bedroom and is like, "Hey, uh, so just uh, checking in." And she's like, "All right, come, we're married. Come on, come yeah. on, dude, let's go." So they uh, they you have know. the most awkward sex ever committed to film. <laughs> yeah. No, and I'm so glad we share a bedroom. Yeah. Like, what the hell? That's, like, yeah. no, like if like every time you came to my door, I was like, oh, do you want to have sex or do you want like to borrow a book or something? <laughs> right. Like, just, yeah. I mean, well, it's, you know, it's not like we have sex every time we go in our bedroom. Sure. Uh, you know, sorry <laughs> to shatter your illusions about our the, passionate. The hedonistic wonderland that is the Schneidekin <laughs> household. <laughs> But, like, you know, the option's there, but, like, nobody has to ask permission. Right. Nobody ever comes in and is like, oh, am I allowed to be sexual now? Right. Fucking Britain, man. Ugh, it's the worst. It is. At least in 1925. <laughs> well, yeah. Especially when it's actually in China. Uh, Naomi's hanging around looking at the rain, and... Yeah, at- somebody invents smartphones already. <laughs> this looks tedious. It does. Uh, Ed's not listening to her, and Naomi badgers him into, like, playing cards. He's like, oh, fine. Whatever, you weirdo with your need for human contact. <laughs> yeah, he seems like a real piece of work. Yeah. Uh, they're invited to the Townsends, which Naomi's like, oh, I don't even like that Dorothy Townsend. Meh. But Ed's like, so you'd rather just sit around doing nothing? Great. That was my whole plan. Yeah. She's like, Fine. Uh, so they go, there's a Chinese play being performed at the Townsend's party, and, uh, Mr. Townsend, what a, Charles? Charlie. Charlie. Charlie Townsend, aka Liev Schreiber. Aka Hottie Boom Body Liev Schreiber. Right. I was very excited to see him. <laughs> yes, Kelly was. I mean, understandably. Oh, he's super hot, dude. Yeah. Married to Naomi Watts in real life. Mm-hmm. Or partnered or something. Well, you know. They do it, is the point. Yeah. They've got kids <laughs> as proof. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Ed's job there is, like, not cool. Like, he's not part of the consulate or whatever. No. His like, job is, like, looking at microbes and poking them with a stick and being like, <laughs> why are you so Chinese? <laughs> <laughs> His assistant is the stick-poking kid. <laughs> That's right. It's a special microscopic stick. After the war, the stick-poking kid went abroad and put his talents to more useful purposes. <laughs> Making great strides in stick-poking with bacteria. <laughs> Thanks to this young genius. Hello, <laughs> monsieur! It's been many years! <laughs> For the last time, I'm not a cholera bacteria. <laughs> was that you doing, Monsieur? Leclerc? No, it was. It started to be, and it got like way you out of hand. Sounded Russian, almost. No, I know. Like I, like I was in the middle of that, and I was like, "What am I even saying?" I don't know, man. Let's just move forward. Yeah, I haven't, wa- I haven't seen this here in so long. Hey, get your veil together. <laughs> right. So Liev uh, chats up Naomi and pretends to understand the story, and then it's like, oh, I don't actually speak Chinese. Yeah, but he's all, I mean, like, the sexual tension between them is palpable. It is. And he's like, oh, this lady's crying because she's been sold into slavery, and she'll never be, like, young and happy. And Naomi's like, fucking really? And he's like, I don't know, dude. Yeah. Also, that guy with the beard, that's Ed Norton. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) Right. 
Uh, so it cuts to Naomi being sad in her chair in the, the present day, and then cuts back to her uh, banging Liev Schreiber. And she's on top, which is pretty advanced for 1925. Uh, that's right. Uh, and I guarantee you it wasn't her idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, listen, I learned this here in China. <laughs> Stick with me, kid. I'll teach you three more sexual positions. <laughs> Uh, but then somebody's there, and the door handle, like, starts to turn, and then doesn't, and they're like, oh, well, I guess, I guess that's out in the open now. Um, pro tip, <laughs> don't have an affair in your house. Well? Like, if you live with a spouse that you're trying to keep a secret from, don't bring the secret to the house. Uh, cause he's got a key. He does. See? He can come in and out. Anytime, He's totally legal. He yeah. he wants to be there. Right, that's where he lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe like you and Liev Schreiber could like go to a hotel or something. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure the English have set up a hotel somewhere for this sort of thing. Yeah, like come, come on, yeah, don't be ridiculous. They have a whole empire to run. They take care of the details. Yeah, where shall our diplomats boff their mistresses? <laughs> Well, there's a very nice place down by the river. The river? <laughs> I say, if I wanted to buff my mistress by a river, I would have stayed near the old Thames. <laughs> no, 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 sir. That's just for the Chinese mistresses. Oh, well, all right then. <laughs> that would have been a more interesting movie right. than this movie. The movie that's all about the British diplomats deciding which hotel they're going to pick <laughs> to buff their English mistresses. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so Liev's like, uh, whatever, he's not going to make a fuss. Naomi's like, oh, Ed's in love with me. And Liev's like, all right. But then he's like, oh, I'm also in love with you. And she's like, OMG, so excited. Right. And he gives her like a necklace or something. Right. And oh, yeah, she's such a dumb. She's so dumb. I'm yeah. sorry I ever sympathized with her because <laughs> she's so bad at this. Yeah. She's so bad. She's really not good at the whole sleeping around thing or anything else for that matter yeah she's pretty useless (laughs) yeah uh it's like walter left her a record by her bedroom where she was fucking leah schreiber uh she's yeah it's their third anniversary (laughs) right the record anniversary (laughs) and the leah schreiber anniversary (laughs) (laughs) well you have to book in advance too i know (laughs) there's only one of them Like, in a pinch, you can get his brother Pablo, but then you're like, ugh, <laughs> this is clearly not the same. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you loved me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. He was the only Schreiber available at short notice. <laughs> so you were saying you forgot our anniversary? <laughs> uh, can I go? <laughs> <laughs> no, Pablo. You stay right here. Take this back to leave. We don't really talk. <laughs> Right. <laughs> what are you gonna say? I feel like I feel like Pablo <laughs> Schreiber is always texting Liev Schreiber. And Liev Schreiber is like smoking a joint with Naomi Watts, and he's like, "Oh, it's my brother." And, and she's like, "I'm basically Nicole Kidman." <laughs> and he's like, "What happened to my life?" <laughs> the, like, I was in Scream <laughs> parts one through all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and then Leo's like a few days later gets back. I was like, "Oh, sorry, Pablo. I was I was out of text messages on my data plan. I, uh, you know, we're uh, we're poor, <laughs> right? <laughs> Me and my Oscar-winning wife. Did she have an Oscar? That's a good question. It seems like she 
does. I feel like she does, but I don't know for what. Right? I feel like maybe she doesn't have one then. I mean, if she's been nominated. I think she's been nominated. Well, wasn't she in that David Lynch movie? Yeah, Mulholland Drive. Yeah, I think she was at least nominated yeah, for that. I don't know. This has been important. Yeah, let's <laughs> not move on. Let's just keep talking about this. If only we could. Yeah, I was disappointed because I thought that record was going to be that veil. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, every it definitely... time any package arrived, I was like, oh, it's the veil. It, yeah. And it never was the fucking veil. It never was. So, yeah, in the present day, uh, they stop, and Ed comes up to Naomi in her chair, and is like, uh, so we could stop and have lunch now, but I'd rather keep going. And she's like, uh, fine. He's like, fine, let's keep going. She says, my comforts have never mattered to you. And well, we got very upset at this point, because we were like, what did this guy ever do to you? Yeah. It better have been terrible. Smash cut to... <laughs> uh, Naomi is actually on the phone with Liev when Ed comes in and she's like, oh, I got to go. And he's like, we need to talk. Uh, so I'm going to this hospital. It's a 10 day journey away. They're having a cholera epidemic. Uh, and oh, did I say I? I meant we. We're both going. Yeah. And she's like, uh, I'm not going to a cholera ridden Chinese village with you, you dumb piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly what Tom said to me <laughs> when I wanted to move to California. <laughs> but much like you, Ed is very persuasive. <laughs> well, uh, you were having that affair with Liam Schreiber. <laughs> I had a lot of leverage. He's so attractive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what Ed says is, okay, that's fine. In the morning, I will file for divorce. And she's like, uh, and he's like, I will be naming Charlie Townsend as your lover. And that's that. Drops the mic. Yeah. Drops the microscope. Right. Is what that's <laughs> for in this context. Right. Which is a shame. It's a valuable piece of scientific equipment. Agreed. But, but he had to make his point. That's right. Uh, but Naomi says that Liev loves her. And Ed's like, uh-huh. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, I loved you. Right. And he also, he starts to say something else and she interrupts him and he grabs her arm and says that if she ever interrupts him again, he will strangle her. So Walter's basically a men's rights activist. <laughs> yeah. Is what we've learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, you were right to be a bitch to him in China. Well, I mean, they're still in China. Right. She's, in but she's got, China. she's got a good reason for her bitchery. Yes. But he's like, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. And then we cut to Liev, who's hanging out with a bunch of bigwigs. <clears throat> Again, this movie, the yeah. movie where Liev Schreiber is working for the British consulate and trying to like quell nationalist uh, demonstrations. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting movie. Yeah. All of these men had interesting things to say. No, the 15 seconds with these men, none of whom we see again. Fantastic. No, like one of them, their foreman shot a worker. Right. Who was like a nationalist. And Liev Schreiber's like, well, listen up, you dumb dummy. <laughs> now that you've done that, the crowds have a martyr and they're all like rallying and we have to like take care of this. Yeah. Uh, but he has to interrupt this important discussion because Naomi Watts has showed up and passed a letter to him. And so he comes over. He's like, what? And <laughs> 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 so they, they go off and find a, a private room in this uh Hotel slash restaurant. Actually, oh, okay, that makes sense. Because everybody in the dining room was white, right? So, so he's like, so did you acknowledge? So she says he's going to divorce her, Uh and he's like, oh, well, did you acknowledge anything? And she's like, no, which is a total lie. Yeah, because she definitely fessed up to everything. She did. She sang like a canary, Uh, but she says that it's okay. Ed has agreed to a quiet divorce. 
And Leah's like, oh, great. And she's like, well, there is one condition, as provided you divorce Dorothy, and then we get married. And Liev's like, about that. When I said I loved you, I meant that more in, like, this abstract, I want to, like, keep you on the hook kind of way. Right. Not, uh, I'm going to leave my very successful marriage for you way. Yeah. 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 So I said I love you in the sense that we hadn't finished having sex yet. <laughs> uh, but clearly we are now. So uh, goodbye forever. Right. Have yeah. fun in cholera land. <laughs> yeah. So Naomi is all bummed and goes home and is like, yeah, I guess I'm uh, going with you. Yeah. I wrote here to Team Charlie all the way. And I can only assume it has to do with his uh, instinct for self-preservation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's he would be quite dumb to divorce Dorothy for this. Boring... Yeah, we only see Dorothy for like fifteen seconds, and already she's way better than any <laughs> other idiots in this movie. Yeah. So back on the trail to this village, they pass a funeral procession and arrive at the place they're going to be staying at. Uh, Naomi's bed has a creepy doll on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good symbol, right? Right. Like, it's like, it's like a horror movie doll on the Yeah, I mean, it's got, like, an early prototype of googly eyes. Yeah. Where they're, like, never quite uh, blinking at the same time or pointing in the same (laughs) direction. It's pretty bad. Right. So things are going to go well here. Yeah, because Ed Norton's like, don't touch that. You're going to die. And then they have to burn everything in this cabin because, like, the people have literally, like, just died of cholera. Right. Which is, you know, not a best... I mean, I guess you could get a deal on a home in that yeah, situation. Yeah, it's like getting one of those haunted houses, you know? <laughs> Right. <laughs> like, well, a uh, family here died of cholera. I might be haunting it still with their germs. So we're willing to knock 80K off the asking price here. <laughs> Toby Jones arrives. Hooray! Yes. We're always happy to see Toby Jones. We are always, always happy to see Toby Jones. Yeah. And he's not shot as if he's incredibly short in this movie. That's true. Which is really rare for Toby Jones. <laughs> yeah. So I feel really thrilled about this. Right. Uh, he is their neighbor. He's the only other European around that has not died of cholera. Uh-huh. Uh, he, you know, they have a drink. He's surprised that they came overland. He can't believe it took them like two weeks to get there. And it's like, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I thought I'd taken the bit of the country, says Ed mm-hmm. Norton. And Naomi's like, oh, my God. Yeah, because they could have just gotten on a boat. Right. They absolutely could have just gotten on a boat. It would have been much nicer. They, they hear some drums that are fighting death spirits, so that's also a good sign. Mm-hmm. Death doll, death drums. <laughs> so Ed's going into town in the morning to start his, you know, cholera job. Uh, <laughs> he is not getting inoculated, which Naomi Watts had not realized was an option up yeah, to this point. Yeah, because Toby Jones is like, uh, you're inoculated, right? And she was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got all the inoculations. <laughs> right. And then, like, Ed Norton is like, oh, I'll I'll inoculate you myself. And she's like, oh, if you're going to do it, don't bother. Right. And I'm like, oh, what is this? You two just came here to die of cholera? You guys are boring. They they apparently did come to die of cholera because as Ed's leaving, Naomi is like, so, is it a long, drawn-out death, this cholera? And he's like, no, you lose all your fluids within 36 hours. It's messy and painful, but quick. Yeah. It's like, And she's like, you know what? Well, given my options at the moment... I'll I'll take my chances. Unlike this fucking movie. <laughs> this movie is not 36 hours long. No, but it's beautiful and boring, but it takes a long time. It does. 
Uh, so the KMT, the Kuomintang, which is the nationalist party that Chiang Kai-shek eventually wound up running. I don't think it was 1925. I think that's too early for him to be in charge yet. But anyway, the nationalist army, they've posted a man to guard their house, given all the unrest that's going on. We see Ed Norton walking through a town. Uh, he says that they need to stop using this well. Uh, and he's trying to explain this to his Kuomintang uh, companion, Colonel Yu. And he's, like, trying to explain, and he's impassive. And then he starts speaking, you know... Ch- yeah, broken Chinese. Broken Chinese. And Yu is like, uh, I speak English. I learned all this in Russia. If you would prefer to speak in Russian, we can do that, too. Yeah. And Norton, Norton is like, oh, okay. Yeah, and Team Yu slash anyone but this horrible marriage. Yeah. Like, you, honestly. Yeah, you is great. Uh, again, would have loved to seen a movie about him mm-hmm. and how he went to Russia. Right. Like, in the wake of the uh, overthrow of their government. Right. Uh, and learned all this yeah. stuff. In the wake of, or, or prior to, I'm not sure, because yeah, this not is six years is. Yeah. after that happened. But yeah. Yeah, regardless. We, if only we knew. If only we you. <laughs> So they get to the hospital, and they're like, so, have you ever seen cholera? And he's like, oh, you know, I've inspected it in a microscope. And they're like, we mean a cholera patient. Yeah, there's a great young Chinese doctor, and we never get his name. Yeah. uh, Because this is a movie about how the third world only exists for white people to go self-actualize. Right. Uh, but anyway, this young Chinese doctor is great because he's like, oh, you've never seen it? Yeah. And then Ed Norton walks into the cholera room and immediately, like, yaks. Yeah. Because it's disgusting. Right. Uh, so Naomi is hanging out in their house with nothing to do and goes crazy and decides that this is the perfect time to write a crazy ex-girlfriend letter to <laughs> Liev Schreiber. <laughs> So (laughs) she writes it out and she heads over to Toby Jones and the soldier assigned to her, uh, whose name I've got written down later. It's Sing Chung, I think. Sing Chung or Chung Sing, one of the two. Um, So we'll get to that. Yeah. (laughs) So stay stay tuned, people. Everyone has already fallen asleep. I know. They're like, this movie is so boring by proxy. So she goes off to give Toby the letter. She finds Toby with his Chinese mistress Mm -hmm. and she's like, oh, this is a thing that's going on. <laughs> and we're all like, yeah, finally, something interesting. Yep. So she gives him an album he had asked for and the letter. And Toby sees the address. He's like, oh, the Townsends. I know them. Uh, Charlie Townsend. Boy, he was uh, always, he had his little flirtations, eh? And uh, he says that Dorothy always told him, Toby, that she found it so unflattering that the women who fell for Charlie are so consistently second rate. <sighs> And Naomi takes her letter and runs away in appropriate shame. Yes. Because uh, she even has a second-rate response. Right. Like, a first-rate response would be like, oh, well, I don't feel that way about myself. Just anything yeah. at all. And it's just so ridiculous. Yeah. And, like, I don't even... It's unclear how... Malicious isn't even the right word, but, like, it's unclear how sort of, like, double the meaning was there right toby jones's part right it seemed like he had a decent idea yeah yeah but but it it wasn't yeah 100 percent clear again that was one of the uh 30 second spans that we found interesting even in absentia charlie's more interesting right 
so they have an awkward dinner. The cook brings in food that Ed wants to get cooked more. He doesn't think it's been cooked enough to, you know, eliminate the cholera. Mm-hmm. And Naomi's like, no, no, leave it. And starts eating it. And Ed's like, fine, I'll eat this cholera food too. These people are so stupid. Yeah, this is not... This is cholera. Right. This is not like eating burned food. I don't know what advice books they had at the time, but I do not think that eating cholera food is like a tip to save your relationship. (laughs) (laughs) It's in country life. (laughs) So, yeah, they board up the well that Ed has determined is, in fact, contaminated, and everyone's pissed about that. Uh, Naomi paces around and snaps at her servant and then runs off to Toby's place, which has many birds and one naked lady. Mm-hmm. So Naomi- It was all the rage at the time. Right. He was the Hugh Hefner <laughs> of rural China. Yeah. He was the bird man of China. <laughs> So Naomi leaves the compound and then sees a dead body and then starts walking towards it. And everybody's like, hey, 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 stop walking towards that cholera body. <laughs> and Toby finally drags her away, uh, causing their servant, uh, Tae Ming, to do a cleansing ritual to because, you know, Naomi has death on her now. Mm-hmm. And Naomi's like, oh, how superstitious. I was like, well, she's superstitious enough not to go near a dead cholera body. which is, like, a really solid point. Yeah. Plus, Toby's like, uh, she's lost three children and a husband to cholera, so, you know, maybe I'd be superstitious, too, at that point. Uh, Toby points out that Ed never actually looks at Naomi, which is true. Uh, at the hospital, the Chinese doctor keeps Ed from killing somebody by having the IV trip wrong, uh, and then mixes him up a martini in some Erlenmeyer flasks. Which was cute. It was very cute. Naomi's in bed that night. Ed brings a message from the mother superior of the convent who wants to see Naomi, and then collapses... Into a bathtub that's just there. Into a bathtub that's in... It's much like the bathtub on Upstairs, Downstairs. It's randomly in the middle of the front room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, oh, it's just a joke. He's drunk and is laughing at her that he might be sick. I don't know. Screw it. So Toby and Naomi head into town, and people yell at them for being European. Uh, You know, kind of fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the hospital uh, has got a terrifying Virgin Mary statue. Yeah, she looks like Benedict Cumberbatch as the Virgin Mary. <laughs> yeah. I guess probably made by the same people that made that doll. Yeah. <laughs> At least this one didn't have those eyes. Supplying creepy figurines to all of rural China. So Mother Superior, played by Lady Diana Rigg. Yeah! Oh my god. She's so much better than this fucking dreck. She is. And she knows it, too. She was like, put me in the ugliest thing you can find. <laughs> Right. Known to many as the Queen of Thorns. Known to right-thinking people as Lady Holiday from the Great Muppet Caper. <laughs> oh, you. Yes. She asks Naomi what a religion is, and Naomi's like, <laughs> <laughs> She takes her on a tour of the place. Uh, the older girls sew to keep them busy. Uh, one of them refuses to be baptized. Uh, a- seems like a solid choice to me. Yeah. Uh, the younger girls are singing a cappella as the pianist pianist just died of cholera. Uh, Going to be a running theme. Right. Through the rest of this recap. <laughs> People keep dying of cholera. Yeah. Uh, there's a new orphan baby. Turns out Ed Norton loves babies. So 
great. Yeah, wow. I guess he's not a monster. Right. <laughs> Naomi gets home, ends asleep at his desk. He's testing a tomato for nitrate levels. Uh, also, Ed Norton's British accent. <laughs> I don't think we even have the time to get into this. Right. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But it's still pretty bad. It's Ed Norton's British accent. Yeah. It's not anyone else's. No. It's his own. Like, his internal monologue is like, I used to be Ed Norton. <laughs> uh, Naomi says she's been afraid of him, possibly the strangling thing. Or the reason. <laughs> you know, she doesn't even bring that up. No, she doesn't. No, but he just says, good, you should be. And continues being a dick, and she goes off and cries. Uh, yeah, that's the appropriate response. Uh, men putting up posters about Chinese people getting shot. Soldier sees them. Toby's hanging out and drinking. See, here's the thing. Like, when you're making a movie and you've got your screenplay, you should be looking at each scene and saying, if I took this scene out of the movie entirely, would anybody miss it? No. And if the answer is yes, you should take it out of the movie. Well, and they keep acting like they're going to do anything about this Chinese nationalism plot, and they never do. They never do. They never do. It's all a fucking ruse to get these rich white people to bone. Yeah. And it's annoying. I would much rather watch a movie about Chinese nationalism in 1925 that has little to no white people in it. Yeah. No, again, a a wind that shakes the barley of this period. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah. So if you know one, Cousins, yeah, please pass it along we, because we, we want to get the taste of this bullshit out of our mouths. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ed's looking at the graveyard down by the river, taking some water samples. He sees a hand sticking out of the ground. Like you do. Yeah. Uh, goes to the hospital, gives money to kids. Uh, Naomi shows up to see Mother Superior, who tells her that Sister Maurice is in heaven now. And uh, Naomi wants to volunteer and help out. And Mother Superior is like, well, you seem useless, but you keep badgering me, so all right. Yeah. So, yeah, she proves her uselessness. Her very first task, she is handed a crying baby by people that speak Chinese and is just expected to, like, deal with it. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, it just needs his diaper changed. Uh, Ed tells you and the Chinese doctor that the river is contaminated and that bodies are being hidden in houses and not being buried immediately and that he thinks they need to, like, start sending soldiers in and collecting the bodies to get them buried right away. He breaks a glass and cuts himself on it. Yeah, I mean, that was, was that? really weird. It was. I was like, was that one of your cholera glasses? Like, yeah, like should you be you more should... concerned? Uh, he goes off and he runs into Naomi who's in a hall wiping uh, baby shit off of her blouse. <laughs> There's a big argument at the graveyard with people who don't want to do things differently. And they also say that they are under the protection of their warlord. Mm-hmm. So screw you, Kuomintang. They got a warlord. Yeah. I wish I had a warlord. Well, someday, baby. <laughs> That's for our uh, 15th anniversary. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> So Ed tells Naomi that she shouldn't be in town. She says to fuck off. Uh, Ed says that he shut off the water to the whole town. And she's like, oh, so you're useless too. And he's like, yeah. Uh, Ed's I'm like, I see a veil and I want it painted <laughs> any color at all. So Ed's looking at this water wheel that's upstream in the river and apparently just there not doing anything. 
this whole thing baffled me. Right. Because initially I was like, oh, he's going to like build that in the town. Right. But then apparently that's not what happens. Well, I mean, I get the idea because what he ends up doing is building a uh, bamboo like fountain to bring the water yeah. from that water wheel. And the point is that it's upstream of the graveyard and not contaminated up yeah. there, which is fine as far as it goes. But like whose water wheel was that? What did they build it for? Like what's what's it's like again? The entire story of this water wheel, more interesting than <laughs> everything else that happens in this movie. Right. Yeah, so he's uh, riding a horse with Wu, and they camp. They're you. going to... Or, yeah, you. I started writing that down as Wu. I don't know why. Racist. Yes. He's riding a horse with you, and they camp. They're going off to see this warlord, and uh, use like they talk about you know the political situation, and then... Ed, Ed Norton gives a little not all Englishman speech mm-hmm. for you and use like, Pfft, yeah, whatever, dude. Yeah. Well, he's like, Ed's like, I didn't come here with a gun. And he's like, well, you know, I'd feel a lot better if we weren't having this conversation with your people's guns pointed at my people. Yeah. Ed makes his case to the warlord who says no. Uh, but then you threatens to bring his army in to uh, kind of take over from the warlord. And the warlord's like, meh. All right. Yeah. Stupid warlord. Not clear why Ed Norton needed to be there. It really isn't. If anything, he impeded the progress (laughs) of getting this warlord's cooperation. Yeah. Naomi is playing a rollicking tune on the piano for the children, and they're all singing raucously. Uh, And then they all stop because Mother Superior comes in, says that Ed is enjoying himself. I don't know what she says. No, well, because Ed's come to the door and he sees her playing. Oh, right. And... Then yeah. Mother Superior is like, oh, you know, Dr. Fane's enjoying himself. And he's like, I never enjoy myself. Yeah. Who told you that? No. And it's funny because it's like everything that Naomi Watts does in this movie, nobody ever acts like it could possibly be for her for her own edification. <laughs> yeah. There was like, oh, well, your husband must like love that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, my husband hates me. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> you. <laughs> That's true. Could almost be interesting. So Naomi switches to a quieter song. Yeah, and I'm like, quit bumming those babies out. Yeah, they'll just sit around. Uh, but Ed remembers when he first saw her. Hooray. Boring. At home, Naomi's talking about this new orphan they got. Ed says that it's complicated. The nuns take children from their families to make them Catholic. Uh, Naomi says that Ed is noble. And they, they basically just start having like an actual conversation for the first time. Well, and they have a discussion about like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have like expected each other to be things that we weren't right which is a good advice for any marriage yeah also perhaps have more than one conversation about how flowers are stupid (laughs) before you get married to somebody right you need to really nail down whether they're stupid or not yeah (laughs) Uh, naomi wishes that ed would have thrashed liev schreiber which wasn't gonna happen like have you seen ed norton right like that's why Fight Club has two people playing the same person. Because <laughs> the idea of Ed Norton beating anyone up is laughable. Yes, it is. So we see soldiers taking corpses out of buildings uh, forcibly. Uh, and so you comes by to the convent and hospital and says, tells Ed that he is advising Westerners to stay indoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, which seems like good advice. However, Naomi had just left. Ed finds out, so he runs after her. 
Uh, we see Naomi in her sedan chair or whatever, and the angry crowd, uh, a few of them catch a glimpse of her and start coming her way. Sung Ching, or Ching Sung, uh, tries to stop them, but basically they overpower him, knock the chair over. He's not super great at his job. He's not. No. He's... He's he's got a bit of a comic relief look about him. Yeah, well, and I mean, look, they were just expecting her to hang out in her cabin all day. Like, right? It was supposed to be a really simple detail. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, for that sort of job, you need somebody dumb enough to stand in a place all day and not kill himself. Yeah, like, yeah, which is hard. Yeah. But yeah, so she's running. She uh, finally gets cornered in this uh, building. I couldn't tell what it was. And Ed's running after her. And then he gets between the crowd and her. And they're all moving threateningly towards them. But then Sung Ching. Okay, there I have it written down. Sung Ching fires a warning shot into the air. He's finally caught up. And they all make their escape. that night back at their house they realize that they're out of whiskey Uh oh yeah that's a problem yeah we can attest (laughs) (laughs) so ed heads over to toby's uh naomi when he doesn't come back as quickly as she thought uh, brushes her hair heads on over and uh the mistress hands her a drink and she's like oh Okay. I'm not totally sure that they also aren't smoking opium. Right. Because like, wasn't Toby sh- yeah. was like messing with something yeah. that looked like a drug of some kind. Right. But it's, it was really unclear. Yeah, I think... Much like whatever his job is. Right. Like, that I've been wondering that one. Like, well, he worked for the consulate in some degree, and right. now, now he... he just collects birds and bangs this lady and smokes opium. I'll sign me up. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting, too, in the scene where Naomi's uh, brushing her hair, I could see her blonde hair sticking out of the bottom <laughs> of the wig. And I'm like, way to go, Warner Independent. Right. Like, way to not cut any fucking corners. This would never have happened at real Warner Brothers. It's true. Yeah, Toby tells the story of the mistress, whose name is Wen Shi, uh, and he was in a consulate of some kind at Hankow. I mean, English. I, I don't know what his position was there, but they were at in the last revolution when they were massacring Manchus who had been the ruling class uh, for about how long at that point? I guess about a hundred years. Uh, but he was able to help out with this one family. And when she was the youngest daughter of that family and he, uh, she kept following him around from that point and wouldn't leave him. And that's, that's their story. Naomi wonders what it is that she sees in Toby and so Toby asks her, and she says that Toby is a good man. Mm-hmm. Unlike basically every other man in this movie. <laughs> right. No, you seems all right. He does. Uh, that doctor, that seems, doctor fine. seems fine. Yeah. So every other European man yeah, in this movie. Basically. Right. Uh, so the evening has gotten to the point where Toby and Wenchi are banging. So Ed and Naomi are like, perhaps it's time for us to leave. <laughs> Our acute English social senses. <laughs> I just like, how did it get to that point? I think well, that's where I think the opium must have come in. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's it's like when uh, Tracy Jordan and his wife do it at Thirty Rock. It's like this is happening. People, get out of <laughs> here. <laughs> Uh, but fortunately, they have at least inspired Ed and Naomi to uh, do what they own selves. Yes. So, hurrah. 
great. Their marriage is back on track, people. Yeah, thank God these two uh, awful people <laughs> have discovered love at the expense of the Chinese populace. Right. The morning after, Ed tries to sneak out of Naomi's room, but she's like, oh, I caught you, you silly goose. Um, <laughs> he tells her to stay away from the town. She decides she's going for a walk, invites Sung Ching along, and she sees Ed by the river. Uh, he's trying to buy some bamboo. He offers her a boat ride. They go look at this water wheel. Uh, and then there's like a montage of happiness or whatever. Like things are great. Uh, and then Naomi pukes. And we're like, oh, thank God she's going to die of cholera. Yes. <laughs> I think she just fainted, actually. Oh, okay. She was in running, jumping, climbing trees well, thought, with the kids. Yeah. Well, I thought I thought she was leaning over a receptacle. But in any case. No, I thought she just fainted. But... Okay. Yeah. She wakes up in bed with all the nuns gathered over her and is like, oh, am I going to die? And they're like, no, you're pregnant. And they're all like, like, I, I sort of appreciated the scene because, of course, they're all nuns and they're never going to get to be pregnant. Yeah. And they all had like a just slightly creepy, like, excitement. <laughs> yeah, it was like the bird <laughs> and Naomi's tippy head. <laughs> <laughs> so Ed comes by and it's like, what's happened? What's, what's going on? And she says, she says, I'm pregnant. And he says, a baby. And I'm like, no, she's pregnant with a fucking sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> a baby. <laughs> uh, but the fact is, she does not know who the father is. <gasps> right. But he says it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, so way to have that even be a thing. Right. Why wasn't it just... Anyway. As uh, so the water wheel is finally finished, or the drain from it is finally finished, the peasants are all happy. They've got water now that they won't get shot for drinking. Uh, but you summon Zed Dorton. There's smoke on the horizon. It's a whole new batch of cholera refugees that are coming along. And he's like, no, we got to keep them out of the town. They'll reinfect everything. So they gallop off to try and stop them. Uh, the mother superior runs into Naomi Watts to gather all the children in the music room. Uh, and there's a lot of chaos in the streets. The refugees are trying to get in town. The soldiers, as well as the townspeople, are all trying to keep them out. Uh, there's pushing and gunshots and whatnot. So it cuts to the morning after. Ed's walking through the street. There's people wounded and dead. Uh, he finds an apparently orphaned child and is like, hey, orphaned child, uh, want to go to the orphanage or whatever? I don't know. <laughs> and that kid's like, no. <laughs> Ed heads off. The mother superior, I abbreviated MS, and so I keep seeing it and thinking Maggie Smith. <laughs> uh, but she tells Naomi that he went to the refugee camp. Uh, and then has a conversation about how she fell in love with God when she was 17, and she was so naive then, and now they have uh, peaceful indifference, the old couple that sits on the couch beside each other with nothing to say. Just pretty boring and sad. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's too bad for you, nunsy. Yeah, really is. That's why I stick with mortals. <laughs> like Liev Schreiber. <laughs> <laughs> we already had that anniversary, Kelly. <laughs> Well, I want it again because I have to marry somebody else now. We can go get one of those quickie divorces. Okay, great. I'll divorce you quietly <gasps> on one condition that you marry Leah Schreiber. Well, uh, let me call Pablo. <laughs> it's like, I get this a lot. There's nothing I can do. This is how sad this movie is. <laughs> like, the most interesting thing that's happened in this recap <laughs> is this ongoing fantastical narrative about Liev and Pablo Schreiber. 
<laughs> yeah, Pablo, surprisingly prominent. Uh. Servant wakes up Naomi. Toby's there and it's like, hey, Ed is ill. And it's like, oh, finally. Naomi arrives at the camp. Ed says, oh, it's not safe. And then vomits. And yeah, right as I had started to try to eat some pizza. Too, <laughs> like, that was really not yeah. good timing. Yeah, that, that was unfortunate. And he says it's going to get much worse before it breaks. Can she handle it? And she's like, yes. We're like, we don't believe, believe you. Believe you at yeah, all, no. You're pretty weak. Uh, Toby and you hang out outside. Ed asks Naomi to forgive him. Uh, blah, blah, etc. That's she's what I wrote like, down for their movie And I'm like, remember scene. when he said he was going to kill you? Yeah. Like, that, you guys are both dicks. Yeah. Like, let him apologize. Yeah. I felt nothing. Yeah. I can't tell you how little I felt. He generally doesn't feel much, but it was excessive. Yeah. I could feel his apathy radiating from him. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, uh, Ed's dead, baby. Ed's dead. Long live the Ed. <laughs> uh, the barium... Uh, back at the convent, things go on. Servant's packing up the microscope, but Naomi's sad about that for some reason. Toby hugs her. She rides a boat home. Still no painted veil to be seen nope. anywhere. nary a veil. So back in London, Naomi and her now five-year-old boy uh, are buying flowers in London. They're like, oh, I think flowers are silly. Ha 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 ha. And uh, Leah Schreiber walks by. It's like, oh, hey, uh, you, uh... This is just like when I run into Pablo. <laughs> uh, he introduces himself to Walter, the young boy, and uh, I believe, you know, is like, oh, this might be my son. Uh, well, yes, if, you know, I'll be around. And Naomi's like, bye. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. Well, little Walter's like, who was that, mommy? <laughs> and the kid actor playing Walter sucks so bad. Not great. Anyway, but she's like, no, an important darling. And I'm like, so is this some kind of fucking Victorian, like, moral drama where we're supposed to believe... That she's been redeemed and is now a paragon of... Virtue? Right. Even though to do that, she had to make herself palatable to a man who wanted to strangle her. Yeah. And also, is she still as dumb as she was? Right. Because she's pretty dumb. Yeah, and I mean, mainly the message is that she gets back to go live in London with rich people uh-huh. where she belongs. No, this is, I mean, this is a fairly sickeningly, you know, Eurocentric movie. Yeah. Like, it's all about how Chinese cholera and rebellion saved these two rich white people's marriage. Yeah. Which is gross. It is gross. I, I, and also implausible. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's not the fucking Hunger Games. <laughs> like, I doubt that happened that often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, man, it may be time to bring back the Kelly Anakin scale of, uh... <laughs> Excrement. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is, like, ugh, beyond a fart minus. Yeah, this is below fart minus. Like, this is terrible. Uh, and we're so that, sorry if you watched it. I believe Pile of Poo was where we got to after yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> we gotta look that back up. <laughs> it might be somewhere in the Gutenberg Bible. <laughs> But, uh, ugh, so awful. Yeah. No, we would have rather watched both rooms <laughs> with a view yeah. than watch this. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is, we're at like 51 minutes of this recap. It was a two hour movie. No, but, but we didn't so leave anything it, out. No, everything, like, it was a lot of, a lot of Naomi Watts looking off into the distance and being like, this is what I trained for at the Nicole Kidman <laughs> School of Acting in Sydney. <laughs> like, no, 
and like just any time the movie had an opportunity to do something interesting. Yeah. Because they have this sort of pat facile conversation about how like uh you know, oh, everything here is complicated. Well, maybe you could have like told us that. Right. Let's let's dig into that complexity. Complexity is interesting. Yeah, we like complexity. You know yeah. what else we like? Veils. <laughs> yes. When the title is a painted veil, <laughs> we expect to see a ve- It's Chekhov's veil. Yeah. And has to go off. It does. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs> So much for that veil. Uh, yeah. So if you watch this, we're sorry. Yeah. If you didn't watch this, good for you. Right. We're very glad. Yeah. Uh, and now we have this recap done for some reason. Yeah. So it's out there in the world. If anybody cares to know how much, how deep our loathing for this movie happens to go, uh, yeah. now you know. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll be back recapping about the battleship Potemkin. Which is, I, I have to think better. I have to think it is. Yeah. Like. I mean, it's going to be weird, but we did watch that one scene from it that one time. Yeah. Well, and I'm excited about it in the wake of All Quiet on the Western Front mm, because right. that had so many silent film techniques in it that mm-hmm. were really compelling. Yeah. I'm really interested to see what a straight up silent movie is mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i mean that's not a little princess because that was fucking awful right um <laughs> but like this is like a classic right? yeah like, it's a classic like this is well respected among you know film scholars and whatnot yes. so. great uh so until next time up, up yours, yours downstairs, downstairs. luncheon out <laughs>